Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast, brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Every week, we'll meet an amazing executive who will share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. You can learn more about Women in ETFs and the exchange-traded fund industry at womeninetfs.com. We have a freebie for this episode, our gift to you. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. Find out more about our show, see some behind-the-microphone photos, and get a preview of our upcoming guests on Instagram and LinkedIn. All these links are in the show notes. So... Put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking to Jillian Del Signore. She'll be helping us untangle the ever-present work-life balance. Jillian is a managing director and head of ETFs and indexing at FLX Distribution. Prior to joining FLX, she was the principal of Lakefront Advisory. Jillian is steeped in the industry, having held leadership positions with J.P. Morgan's asset management business and in BlackRock's iShares Group. She has a B.A. in communications from John Carroll University and an M.B.A. from the University of Pittsburgh. She earned her SEMA designation from Wharton. Recently, she and her husband welcomed their son, Elliot, into the world, Chicago specifically. So she has an all-hands-on-deck perspective on balancing work and life. I am so happy to have her on the show. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you, Christine, so much. I could not be more happy to be here. Um, Thank you for getting this amazing podcast series off the ground for we. Oh, thank you. And I know you've been a big supporter, so I really appreciate that. (laughs) And this is going to be fun. I mean, you and I, we've known each other for years. But I think I'm probably going to get to know you better today, and I certainly hope our listeners do. So thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. So tell me, Jillian, about work and life balance, if that's even possible. (laughs) You have this big role at FLX, and I could be remembering this wrong, but you started there just three weeks before Elliot was born. (laughs) Do I have that right? That is exactly right. It was. Oh my goodness! It was kind of crazy, right? Because I left. I left JP Morgan in March of 2020. Impeccable timing mm-hmm. um, in terms of the reorg that happened there. And, you know, was doing the consulting. And it, for, for the listeners, my son um, was born via surrogate. So let me clarify, you know, sort of clarify that. This is relates to going back to work three weeks after having a baby. Um, our bun, her oven, we were really blessed to have an amazing experience um, after bouts with infertility and. So was going through a whole host of things, you know, during 2020 and working from home. And as we all were adjusting to our new normal and all the while, you know, got pregnant. And um, I had been starting to have some serious conversations with Brian, our CEO at Flex, who I've known for many, many years. And the decision that we had come to as it related to this business opportunity was for me to join the firm. And, you know, the start date was February 1st. And I had a baby due on March the 5th. And I remember Brian saying to me, you have to take this time and you mm. can't miss it. Um, he said, I, I missed it with his two boys, you know, in our previous realities when you were traveling all the time. And, and so we have a flexible uh, sort of PTO policy at flex. And we agreed that 
you know, I was going to take a couple weeks off when Elliot was first born. So two weeks, he ended up coming on February 26th, the week early, mm. took two weeks off, um, and then went back because my husband had an amazing parental leave. I say amazing, it should be the norm. But my husband had a three month <laughs> yes. parental leave policy, right? He works for a Canadian bank. And um, it was just incredible that he was able to take that time. So we agreed we would flip flop our leave. So he took three months starting two and a half weeks into Elliot's life. Um, we actually took the month of May off together, which was incredible mm. and something we could never, ever do again, right? You just don't have those opportunities all the time. And then I was off after that for June and July and went back after that. And it was awesome. It was great that we could do it. It was incredibly challenging, as I'm sure we'll talk about, um, <laughs> but felt really, really lucky that we were able to have that experience and that I had the flexibility with my job to be able to take that time when I needed it, not when it was being prescribed to me. Right, right. So it wasn't all smooth sailing, though, right? Like, <laughs> you didn't just have this baby and able no. to just sort of like stick him in a corner while you, while you, while you did this yeah, job. Right? I mean, it was funny. I can't tell you the number of times that I would be doing work. I would get a 15 minute or 30 minute break and I would come scary. I mean, our office, which is now Elliot's playroom, our office is right off the kitchen in the living room and the dining room. We live in a 1500 square foot condo. So everything's kind of on top of each other, but I would sneak out and I would feed him intermittently as I got the opportunity. I would do, I would sit on the couch with him on my chest while I worked with my laptop on my legs um, you know, you kind of did what you could, but you're still sleepless, right? So right. we did have a night nurse three nights a week, and we did that primarily because I was working. But you just, you still are fighting the same challenges as any new mom would, but you're trying to do this in the midst of being back at a job that is not low stress and not low demand, right? It was the opposite of both. And because it was, a, for those that don't know, Flex is, and at the time certainly was even more so, a startup. And so the, the hours are, uh, they're pretty relentless. And so the only benefit I, I tried to take was that I could do those long hours with Elliot sleeping on my chest at night with stuff that I didn't get, you know, done during the day, but it was certainly not without its challenges. And then my poor husband, you know, not poor husband, my husband loved every minute of it, but you know, he was definitely taking the brunt of it during the day at a difficult time for those that have children. No, those first couple months are very difficult and it's very unpredictable. He used to say, I had these images of putting him in the stroller and walking to the coffee shop and you know sitting outside. And then you were like, <laughs> right. well, it's still COVID and right. my son hates the stroller. And so, you know, we were just trying to find time to eat. Um, we were on our Elliot diet, as we said, which meant usually no food till 1 PM. Um, right. But yeah, so it's certainly not without challenges. And, you know, I feel like we weren't, I don't know that there is, and, you know, we can talk about this, but I don't know that there is work, life balance as much as there's work-life integration mm. um, and trying to figure out. And I think those are probably the two things. I do believe we have found that balance in our lives. And you know, I can talk about what it is that, that I do to sort of shut myself off because a lot of people have a hard time doing that. And I think to have that integration and to find a way to have both and enjoy both and get the most of both was what we were really looking for as a family. Good. So how have you found being present in both of these sides of you, of yeah. which you are passionate about both, right? So yeah. how can you be fully present in both? How, yeah. how are you integrating? You know, we set boundaries. You know, there's a time where, and we, we have a nanny um, and she works with us from eight to five. So there are times that I'll get a phone call at 730 from one of my colleagues and I'll chat with them for a few minutes. 
Um, but most times, you know, my mommy time is before 8am and I am unapologetically present with Elliot, um, Mm. playing and having breakfast and all of that. And then every moment I can during the day, um, I will go out in and, and see him. I have blocked off two one-hour periods during the week where I will take him to music class. And it is quite literally a recurrence on my calendar. And I block the 30 minutes before it and the 30 minutes after it. So that is our time. I will take him to Broadway and me and kinder music. Um, It's our (laughs) special time. I've been doing it since he was about three months old. And then in the evenings, you know, I I will be gone at 5 p.m. I have to be. The nanny has to go. And my husband and I make it so that I we're both athletes. And so I work out early in the morning and he tends to work out as the nanny is departing. And so I'm here at five to get Elliot. And my colleagues know that. They know that I'm going to be offline from about five until about eight because that is our family time. Previously, it was when we were getting Elliot ready for bed and then my husband and I were eating dinner. And now it's, you know, when we're doing the whole family dinner time thing now, and I can tend to be back online by about 8 p.m. and address anything that may have come up. But having to be really religious about that and protecting it. And you know, when I took two weeks off for Christmas, being really adamant about the fact that I, I will not be checking my email every day. I'm out. This is Elliot's first Christmas and, and we'll be enjoying every minute of that. And I think that's hard for people sometimes. And it was hard for me. I was one that was always lauded for my, you know, the, the quickness of which we re- I responded to email. And I still do that. But, you know, if there are times that I can't get to it, um, people know it. And everybody at my firm knows that I have a baby and they're, most of them have kids themselves. And I find that people are very understanding. Like our nanny came down with the stomach flu and she texted me mm. last night at seven o'clock. We are absolutely triaging in my house today. You know, and my colleagues know that right. and they appreciate it. And so do our clients. And so I find that there is that that really kind of cool parental connective tissue for most folks where they're like, yep, I remember that. I've been there. Um, right. You know, whether it was 18 years ago or 18 months ago. Like, oh, yeah, gosh. I remember how right. hard that can be. And so they really do appreciate it. And I love what you said your CEO, Brian, said to you, right? Like yeah. he wanted you to do better than he was able to do, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there is this finding culture, finding people in yeah. your jobs that want to support you. Um, so good job in, in identifying them. That's yeah. fantastic. Well, when my girls were little, I have to say that, you know, they're really young. If my husband was home and I was on the job, they knew it. My door was shut. We would have this little thing where they would knock. Yes. If I knocked back, that meant that I was on a call. I wasn't to be interrupted. <laughs> if they knocked back again, so now they're knocking twice, no then I would say something to my call if I could. And I would say, hey, you know, I just need to take a break for a moment. Let me just put you on mute. You know, and and we would answer whatever Barbie crisis there was or or whatever it was. And why dad, you know, dad couldn't solve it. And, you know, I would come back on. But they were actually quite good at sort of respecting that like double knock, you know, a lot of times I would knock and they would, you know, wander away. And then my call was over, I'd open the door and be like, Hey, what's up? And they're like, I just want to show you my picture. So (laughs) I think it's finding those, you know, cool ways that work for your family that allows you to, to integrate in, you know, sort of a sane way. Absolutely. I love that idea. I don't know if you've seen, so Anna Paglia, uh, who runs uh, the PowerShares business in Vesco, she put this really funny LinkedIn picture up. I'm going to do, I'm not going to do it justice, but everybody <laughs> should go check it out about this in the middle of like the like lockdown kind of quarantine. And it was this really funny picture that she hung on her office door and it had something just like you said, you know, like 
if you need this, um, you can wait. If you don't need this, like all that stuff. And you can have, like, if you just need a hug, that's okay. Come on in, those sorts of things. But it's really cute and it's very much oh, aligned with what great. you just said. Yes. Um, it's just, it's, you have to figure out a way to make it work. We don't have anything like that yet just because Elliot is so young. But <laughs> yeah, in 11 knows. months, he's not, <laughs> he's not climbing up to the <laughs> door and knocking yet. Yeah, exactly. But he, but, but I, my nanny does know, you know, if she, my, I work in the bedroom. Um, my husband used to work in our office until we turned it into a playroom. And now he's, he's been going into the office one day a week and working at the dining room table, which is clearly less than ideal the rest of the time. Mm. But she, um, she knows if she needs me, she can knock. And I can, you know, now with video chats, it's everything's a bit more complicated. Right. Um, but I will say there are times where I, I know that the people on the other line can hear him. And so I'll like, can you excuse me one minute? I'll just make sure the door is shut or I'll make sure I'm muting myself. You know, it's interesting having the baby, you know, Elliot coming into our, our life when he did during such a unique time, I think people have a, a better appreciation for work-life integration because mm. we've all had to live this for the last 22 months. And, you know, think about all the time that people were remote learning their children and we were all just getting used to Zoom and people were Zoom bombing. Kids were running in from, you know, outside the door and babies were screaming and dogs were barking. I think there's a whole different appreciation for this whole work-life integration that wouldn't necessarily, not that it didn't exist before, but I think there's a whole different level now for people than there ever was before. Cause we're all trying to do it in very right. different ways and more raw ways, I think than ever before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've talked some about sort of your ecosystem at your job and mm-hmm. folks that you need to communicate to, and as well as those that know about your situation and maybe clients and, and others that don't. Mm-hmm. So have you found ways of effectively communicating through your leadership team that sees you as proactive and not high maintenance? Like how, how do you draw that line? How can you help our listeners sort of draw that line in telling them what you need mm-hmm but not making it their problem? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. I think for me, so I have, um, I'm on the executive committee here and all of my colleagues do have children. I think for me, it's been being present for all the meetings that matter when I've said I'm going to be there. Like if I'm not going to be there and they know it, they know it, right? And they respect that. Mm. If I'm out when I was on leave, they took me off emails, um, you know, that was it, right? I was out. I was enjoying my time with my family. And we all respect that of each other when we're out. When I'm in, I think there was a, there was a recognition of what we were going through as a family. And if I showed up to a meeting internally and I looked a bit, you know, ruffled, <laughs> um, <laughs> no makeup, you know, my sweatsuit, whatever it was, there was an appreciation for the fact that I was showing up and mm. making it work for the business as well as making it work for my family. So I think showing that commitment to both parts of your life, um, I think goes a long way for everyone um, right. in a way that it wouldn't necessarily, like if I was showing up half the time and not paying attention and not, you know what I mean? You have to show up fully when you set those boundaries. Um, the boundaries are set for a reason. So you have the opportunity to show up fully. And so that was really the way that I approached it. That's great. I really found 
over life that there's chapters in life, right? Yeah. Like there's times yes. in which we can invest in ourselves in different ways. We can invest in our family and our friends. We can pick up new hobbies. We can do we can do things and we've got time and margin to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Have you found during this time that it has closed down even just temporarily some things in your life that you were able to commit time and, and energy to before, um, Elliot? Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting because some of this does coincide with, with COVID, which is interesting. And it's hard to... Mm parse apart. But it's funny you say that about chapters. So my when um when I left JP Morgan, my sister said to me, my sister has almost she's she's pregnant with her third. She's younger than me by four years, but um wiser than me in many ways. And she said, <laughs> every shift you've made in your career has led to a new chapter of your life personally. And mm. I remember being so struck by that when she said that to me, because she's a hundred percent right. And with every career move I've made, it's been in conjunction with a shift in my personal life, whether it was, you know, joining Goldman Sachs and moving to Chicago, whether it was joining what was then BGI and getting my first condo, whether it was, you know, joining JP Morgan and meeting my husband, who was then my boyfriend Mm. at the same exact time. Um, And then leaving JP Morgan and having Elliot. And it was, they all led to this new chapter and embracing that for me, I think was, was really important and recognizing there was going to be a new chapter and life would change. And, and, you know, I mean, reckoning with becoming a mother is something so personal and so emotional. It's the hardest and best thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. Um, harder than any job, harder than any marathon, you know, a (laughs) hundred times over. And I wouldn't change it for anything. But grappling with who you are as a person and saying goodbye to certain things that maybe you did prior was something you also have to come to terms with. Now, my husband and I have worked really hard to allow ourselves to maintain the things that we're really passionate about and we believe make us better people and therefore better parents. And that is our passion for being athletic and healthy um, and making sure that we prioritize giving ourselves the space to get our workouts in and knowing that we are going to, one, we'll shoulder the load during that period of time during the day, because we believe that once you've gotten that workout in, you do feel better and you're going to be a better parent and a better spouse. And so we've really supported that in one another. I will say the the one thing that we have sort of bid adieu to that we used to do more often was we used to just we love to cook at home, but we were also very much foodies. And, you know, I knew every new restaurant in Chicago and um, all of that. And I think if it weren't for Elliot, even with COVID, we still would have done that because we would have been a little bit, um, we are super, super buttoned up with him because he's not, uh, he's obviously quite vulnerable as an infant, but right. um, I think we would have probably still been enjoying that, especially during the summer when we could have been outdoors. It's just not something we prioritize anymore, right? Mm. So being together as a family and doing things like Lincoln Park Zoo Lights at Christmas time <laughs> or, um, you know, Elliot's weekly swim class or family swim time um, at Goldfish Swim School are things we'd rather do with a Saturday at 4 or 5 p.m. Um, right. So you just really start to see those priorities change. And we found ourselves getting closer with friends that have young children his age mm. because you can do things like that or you know celebrate New Year's Eve <laughs> with a virtual concert with t- tunes with Tim at 11.30 a.m. on New Year's Eve. So you definitely see things start to change and evolve. 
I do have some some sadness around um, the inability to take Elliot as many places as we would have liked to by now to travel uh, because of COVID. That is something that we are really focused on as things start to open up a little bit more that we can hopefully get out and, and help expose him to more of the world as we always have. Excellent. You'll come visit me in Maine, right? Yeah, oh, that's him. actually high on Acadia is very high go. on our list. Yes, we have a camp right near there. So oh you have my to gosh. come and <laughs> come that and is spend 100%. the time with us. We did our baby moon at the, um, we did our baby moon in Yellowstone and Glacier. So oh. we, uh, we are very, very high on the national park. So we will definitely come up. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. Well, I, I do have to say, just sort of circling back to these chapters, yeah. they became really important for me to understand. Cause I know when I was bi-coastal, you know, living on the East coast, working on the West coast, had a young family, you know, thriving marriage, but, you know, still it was just challenging throughout the whole thing. I had wonderful friends I would have loved to have spent more time with. But when I came home, I was in my house, you know, like we, we hunkered down, we did things as a family, we played games, we made meals together, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and the people that I, I would have loved to have spent more time with we ended up not spending, I ended up not being able to yeah. prioritize, you know, and now my season in life, as the kids have gotten older, you know, I've been able to open myself up more. Now mm-hmm. it's COVID. So we, you know, you have bubbles yeah. of people that you see, but, you know, I just think giving ourselves permission to say it's not forever, you yep. know, so we don't need to get depressed over things that we have to say goodbye to for a little while, but it's best for our family, for our careers, for ourselves to just limit ourselves to what's even possible in yeah. work and life, right? I think that's so right. It's it's just a it's a reshuffling of priorities for the time being, mm, you know? And yes. it's interesting you, you you know you you say what you did because I you know again, Elliot being born at a time where everyone is remote for all intents and purposes. And in my previous life as I'm sure not all of your listeners know, like I used to spend my life on an airplane and right. in hotels. <laughs> And that was just how I existed. And it's how my marriage existed. It's how like, that's just what it was. And, and I loved it. I, I didn't love the rat race portion of it, right? Like the, the LaGuardia O'Hare flights, you know, <laughs> 7am on a Monday morning, like that I could have done without, but, but getting around and seeing people and traveling and whether it was work or otherwise, and I cannot imagine getting on an airplane now and leaving Elliot behind. And so that's something I don't know if I still was in that role at JP Morgan and became a mom, how I would have dealt with that. And I think about that a lot. I don't have to travel now with Flex. I do need to get to our home office in New Jersey at some point, Um, but we are a remote first company. Mm. And so that was really attractive to me, you know, as I kind of think about that. And I do wonder sometimes you know, and I still have girlfriends. One of my girlfriends is at First Trust, the others at S&P. They live literally across the street and behind me in the neighborhood. And they have little three-year-olds. And they were, you know, when Ren and Verona were two months, three months, four months old, they were grappling with the idea of how do I get on an airplane right. um, and go back to my job, which in that case is getting on an airplane yes. um, and leaving. And and that's not coming back at 5 p.m. So um, it's interesting to see the way that, that that folks like that, that I respect did do it, right? You leave on a very late flight after the baby's gone to bed. You come right. home on a very early flight when, before the baby's got up. So you just figure out ways to make it work. And I'm sure I could have, but I think I probably would have had some serious conversations with myself about what it was that I was going to prioritize. 
Right. And I think we all do. And then after we have those conversations, we have to give ourselves grace, right? And yes. and grace for those around us that are sort of dealing <laughs> with the sadness that we have as we, you know, reprioritize based on what are the expectations of our careers. So those of our listeners that are listening to saying, hey, I just haven't found the balance. You know, yeah. I'm I'm feeling flat out in all areas. I just I think of grace and I think of the fact that you will not be stuck in this forever, that this is a chapter and it is a prioritization conversation that you need to have with yourself. You know, if it is that your career just needs to pause for a little while while you take stock of what you have, or if it's a conversation with your family as to how you can do it better, how you can travel well, you know, a number of times, my son has been on an airplane out to San Diego with me when I worked for LPL. (laughs) And, you know, we we made it work, you know, and so, you know, I, I just think always being creative, right, about ways in which to tackle this, not assuming that, it's just going to be like that forever. Oh, absolutely. And I am lucky that my husband's job is relatively flexible. And so when I talk about going to New Jersey, like they will be coming. When I go to the exchange ETF conference in a month in Florida, they're going to come. And we're able to tack on these family experiences to see family in Florida and friends in New York that we wouldn't, we have not yet been able to because of, you know, different levels of COVID and, and quarantining. And so that's something we do get excited about. And I, I do, I can't imagine booking a business trip right now that doesn't include them tagging along. And I know in norm, you know, in my previous roles, that would not have been possible because I was traveling so frequently. And so I feel very lucky that the, the travel is so infrequent, at least at the moment, that that's a possibility. Right, right. So as we think about our listeners on this, who with our roles on the board of Women in ETFs, we have really committed to connecting, supporting and inspiring them. What advice do you have for our next generation of leaders that are coming up? You know, I think about this really is in, in, in two ways. You know, I've been part of the WE Mentorship Program for really since its inception here in Chicago. And one of the things I tend to spend a lot on with the, the individuals that I mentor is this idea of personal brand Mm. and, you know, developing that personal brand and growing it and nurturing it as it well deserves because your personal brand will follow you, right? If you can create it in the way that you should, it will follow you if your career ebbs and flows, right? I think Christine, you and I have personal brands outside of what we do day to day, right? As industry leaders, and that's important. And so I think going about that and, and really, working on that personal brand is something that I spend a lot of time uh, still thinking about and and continuing to stay on top of. And I think that is part and parcel with this idea of continuing to build up your personal network. I have a personal board of directors, as I call them. There are a set of individuals that um, don't work with me or for me. Some of them are inside the industry. Some of them are just on the periphery, right? They know just enough to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I can go to them when I have big work decisions or life things going on. And I need an impartial jury, so to speak, to try to help direct me in the right way. And so, you know, really spending time to nurture that network as well as your personal brand. I know during COVID, it was, um, I think, actually easier to stay connected to people once you got used to doing the virtual. And I, I'll put ticklers in my calendar, you know, like 
once a month, make sure that you've reached out to a certain set of your network just to touch base, um, check in with them. You never know what right. is going to happen. And I think, you know, when I was leaving JP Morgan and before I started with Flex, that proved really critical for me as it was an opportunity to really talk to everyone and get a real understanding for what was out there, what my next journey was going to look like. Um, my husband actually encouraged me to do something called 50 coffees in 50 days. Now, this was obviously done virtually, but I really challenged myself. Let's, mm. I'm going to have 50, co- I did it in shorter than 50 days because I always want to try to overachieve. <laughs> but like, you know, reaching out to people and just catching up. And I think if you're, if you're newer in your career and you're reaching out to someone who might be a bit more senior and you, it's not just like Christine, me pinging you or Sharon and saying, it's been a month, let's talk. Right. You know, to actually bring some value. What you want to talk about, what you think you can provide to them you know, why you think you all should take the 20 to 30 minutes to spend some time. Um, I'm always willing to take those calls from people. And so I I would really encourage, I think it's that nurturing that personal network and then helping that lead to the development of your personal brand, um, I think are two things that that, um, I've been particularly passionate about through my career. And I think that this next generation of leaders should certainly spend some time on. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you're going to love that we have an episode with Sue Thompson on your brand. Oh. So I will put a link to that in the show notes because yes. I think she was your mentor on personal brand. Is that right? Yes. Sue <laughs> has been the biggest influence in my career. Our relationship has actually become quite well known in the ETF industry, which just makes my heart swell. But yeah, she hired me to join the ETF industry. She took a bit of a flyer on a very green young woman who, as uh, she eventually uh, took me shopping, wasn't even dressing very well. And then she uh, <laughs> she introduced me to all the stores on Michigan Avenue that I had not spent any time in. And um, <laughs> she had me put on a pair of high heels for what felt like the first time and told me I looked like a baby giraffe learning how to walk. <laughs> and uh, so... That is so hard to believe because I met you right after that and you are a fashion plate, Jillian. You are beautiful. Oh my God. I mean, she did. I mean, she, she mentored, she sponsored me. Let's be clear. And I'm sure Mm. you and she, at some point in this podcast, you'll get to mentorship and sponsorship. But um, she was my sponsor through and through and she remains to this day. And the funny part of our story is that I ended up mentoring her when she was asked for charity, we both did it together to run the New York City Marathon mm. in 2015. Yes. And so that um, for us was the mentee suddenly became the mentor. And I think it took our relationship to a different level. So I digress, but that's a, she will no. have a great conversation on personal brand. Oh, and but I think those are the great stories here, too. I remember talking to you about that over sushi and the Boston waterfront was, you know, that time when when the relationship, you know, starts to change because you co-mentor Natalie Zaradnik and I had that, you know, for many years before she left the industry. We just co-sponsored each other in every way that we could. And, you know, with a dedication to privacy and a a dedication to just being honest and transparent with each other. So I I love that. And I hope that for the next generation, they should be looking for people like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and Christine, I think what you just said is so important with you and Natalie, because Obviously, you can have mentors that are more senior in their career or just more senior in the industry. I mentored a woman that was actually older than me, my first mentor through Women in ETFs, but she was new to the industry. Mm. And so, you know, we had a great relationship there. 
But I also have, and this is sort of like the board of directors thing, like you had with Natalie, where you're in similar points in your career, going through similar things. Yes. And you just need someone to talk to that about. Like Alisa uh, mm-hmm. Mahdi, who uh, used to co-head, she might actually still co-head Chicago for we, she and I both took on new roles as heads of ETF distribution at the exact same time for different companies. And right. so we used to meet and have breakfast once a month and just yes. talk. You know, you need that too um, yes. as, an, as an outlet for sure. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. All right. So last question. So as you know, because you've been so supportive, I'm a writer. Yes. I love it. I've committed my life to it. Um, yes. And I think you can find yourself in story and it doesn't only need to be fiction like I write, but nonfiction can, you know, kind of put you into a narrative and can kind of change your perspective on life and yourself and others. So put you on the spot. What is a book that has inspired you? Yeah, it's such a great question. So my husband uh, actually bought me this book for Christmas all right. We agreed just with all we have going on that we were going to buy each other things this year that could, I guess, theoretically fit in the stocking. This book didn't exactly fit in the stocking, but close <laughs> enough. Um, I bought the family a record player, but uh, he got me a book called What I Know for Sure. And it's actually by Oprah. Oh. And each chapter um, really did speak to me. And the chapters are joy, resilience, connection, gratitude, possibility, awe clarity and power. Wow. And for me, I've, I've not made it through very far, although I have a commitment, read 22 minutes every day in 2022. That is my commitment. I don't care what I have to do <laughs> to find those 22 minutes. I will find those 22 minutes. But to get through this book, I felt like all those topics, they all are emotions. I feel like I've certainly experienced a lot recently for different reasons. And so to really dig in and feel quite inspired by the stories contained within each of those emotions. So this was one that really, for me, was special this year. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. I had not heard of it, and I'm happy to add it to my list. So thank you for that. And thank you so much, Jillian, for this frank and deep conversation. I've so enjoyed it. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. And I can't wait to listen to the rest of the episodes. Good. There's just so much to unpack with work-life, integration, how we do it well, how we give ourselves grace. And I really hope that our listeners spend time with this information and it allows it to transform them. You know, that it, it really, they ingest it in a way that allows them to apply it, apply it to their benefit, right? So um, I'm really rooting, and I'm sure you are too, for our listeners to find the kind of integration that you have right now. Yes. So once again, I'd like to remind you, our listeners, to go to womeninetfs.com to find out more about diversity, opportunity, and the events going on in the exchange-traded fund industry. Please also check out this episode's freebie, where I've listed some great resources on work-life integration and provided a list of balancing tips, as well as a link to that book by Oprah. You'll find it at, with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you do so to this podcast. We have a season, as Jillian mentioned, of incredible guests. Don't miss out. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us tackle, please let me know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.